Well, hi, my name is Connor, and I am so honored to hang out with you today. We've been in a teaching series called Brighten with Flavor, which will conclude today, and we've been talking all about how to bring flavor and light into your world and mine. And I don't know about you all, but since COVID, my screen time has increased significantly, (laughs) for the better or for the worse. Has anybody found this to be true? No, I'm the only one? Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, what I have found interesting is when I watch shows on, on Netflix or Disney Plus or on TV, etc., is the filmmaker's perception of faith and those who practice their faith. Shows like Waco or The Blacklist or, or Grey's Anatomy. Yes, I love my wife and I can tolerate Grey's. Okay, get off me. <laughs> but these shows depict religious people to be anything but attractive or live the kind of life that you and I would hope not. To live. I would use words like judgmental or legalistic or self-righteous for the people who play the roles of the religious in these shows. Now I'm not blaming uh, uh, filmmakers or Hollywood for the way they articulate these, these religious people in these shows. I actually think that they're portraying the truth in some cases. But it's more than just filmmakers in Hollywood, right? It's, it's ingrained in our culture. It's ingrained in the way that we think. It's on social media. I mean, just go and ask your neighbor or coworker what their view of religion is, and you'll probably find something similar. A Gallup survey asked people this question. Do you believe that religion can answer all of or most of today's problems, or that religion is largely old-fashioned and out of date. And what they found was that 47% of people answered no, largely out of date, other, or had no answer at all. That's depressing, y'all. What they are basically saying is that faith has little to no influence on their lives. That's almost half of Americans. But my question for you this morning is what if faith wasn't supposed to be like that? What if faith and acting on our faith was the most life-giving, freeing, and grace-filled things that we could ever do in our lives? When I read the Bible, I see a life full of passion and impact for good. I see the most exciting journey with the most powerful being in the universe. I see following Jesus as a full-contact sport, a lifestyle, an everyday thing full of relationships that are transforming an opposing dead religion. Maybe you've never experienced this kind of faith before. And if that's you, then my prayer for you today is that you would see the kind of faith that Jesus intended for us to have and live. And maybe you call yourself a Christ follower or a Christian, and when you hear sermons about salt and light, you kind of feel a little guilty, like, oh gosh, I just never do enough. Or maybe you think, oh man, my family member, they call themselves Christians, right? Like, they're my neighbor, they really need to hear this message. But what I would ask you to do is to examine your own life and your own heart and come open to what God might be trying to tell you and me today. We're going to look at a passage of scripture and we're going to talk about this stuff. And we are going to find the kind of faith that Jesus intended us to have. Faith that is sacrificial and influential and honoring. Not egotistical and trivial and ugly. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus shares a message that is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. 
And his audience would have been his disciples and a large crowd of people. And Jesus gives the greatest sermon, the, great, the greatest TED talk, the most earth-shattering speech in history, in my opinion. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, you, you and me, are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Talked about that. It says, you, you and me, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Talked about that. And in verse 16, Jesus is gonna give us the heart, the motivation, the power behind being salt and light. And listen, y'all, we cannot miss what Jesus is saying in verse 16, because if we do, then we are in big trouble. So I would love uh, some help from all of you in the room and church online. You guys can uh, uh, say it as well. I would love it if we could just read this verse together as a family. Y'all ready? All right, y'all ready? All right, let's do this, y'all. Okay, on three, one, two, three. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said, let your light shine before people. Now I'm gonna stop right there and ask a question. Do you believe that your light can shine? That, that you are the light of the world like Jesus said? Or let's do this. What if I gave you a blank piece of paper and I wrote on the piece of paper, I am blank. And there was a space for you to write something in that piece of paper. What would you write? about yourself. Maybe you're busy with, with work. You say, I am my career, I am my, my job. Uh, maybe you'd say, I am my family or I am my financial portfolio. But if we went a little deeper than that and we were honest with ourselves and answered, I, I don't know how many of us would write, I, I am the light of the world. If we're really being honest with ourselves. I think that some of us, including me sometimes, would write something down like, I am no good. I am my past. I am a, I am a divorce. I am a sickness. I am a disease. I am that awful thing that was done to me in my past. In the verse that we read together, the people who would have been with Jesus was his disciples and a large crowd of people. Jesus had a knack for attracting hurting and broken people. They could have ranged, I mean, who knows who would have been in the audience of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. There could have been crooks to criminals to cooks to construction workers. Even the disciples were an interesting group of people, right? I mean, you had loudmouth Peter, you had cheating Matthew, you had Simon, who was a zealot, which was a political renegade group of Jews at the time. You had doubting Thomas, and the list goes on. And who knows who else would have been in the audience of Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount? And before, somebody say, before. Somebody post in the chat, before. Before they got their lives together. 
before they changed, before that. Jesus is telling them, and he's telling you, and he's telling me, you are the salt of the earth. Before you got your life together, you are the light of the world. Before we can go any further in talking about bringing flavor and light into our world, we have to understand this first. This isn't feel-good, fluff and stuff preaching, okay? No, this is real. If we do not understand and grasp our identity and who God says we are, then our actions will never bring salt and light. Many of us think that we have to get our lives all figured out and put together before we can shine a light and make a difference. Maybe you felt that way before. But it's not about being clean, but about believing in who God says you are and then acting on your God-given identity. Jesus said, let your light shine before people. Notice he doesn't say, let your light shine in private. Let your light shine only on Sunday morning or let your light shine in the church. No, he he doesn't say that. He says, let your light shine before people. When Jesus would have said this, he would have been near the Sea of Galilee in the Middle East. There was a group of people in the time of Jesus called the Essenes and they believed that they should withdraw from society. See, their mentality was to not be influenced by the darkness of culture Their mentality was to withdraw from that and to be holy and to live in holiness away from the world. The rest of the world was bad, they thought, and so in order to be good, they would withdraw from the bad. And there are groups of of people who have done this. The Essenes weren't the only people. Over the years, groups like monks and priests and Amish have drawn, withdrawn from the world and not influenced, and to not be influenced by its darkness. And the truth is, if not careful, we can fall into the same thinking and disengage ourselves from the world too. Now, I'm not talking about moving into the sticks or the hills, okay? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is every Christian's natural tendency to be inward focused and not engage in a hurting and a broken world. We stop hanging out with our Christian friends and uh, non-Christian friends and we keep to ourselves at work and in our neighborhood and sooner or later, the only people that we know are people who already know Jesus and are full of light. One of the things that intrigues me the most about Cincinnati, our city, I know on Church Online, by the way, we've got people watching from Florida and Louisville and Indiana and all over the place. And so if you were to come to Cincinnati, you were to stay for a couple days and get to know some of my friends here, what you would find is Cincinnati's long-term relationships and connections, right? Like I could ask some of you, do you know so-and-so? And And somebody most likely would say, that's my cousin, (laughs) right? Or they would say, hey, uh, do you know this person? And some of you might say, it's my brother's sister's nephew's uncle twice removed. And we had dinner last night, by the way, right? Like there's just long-term connections and relationships. And I love that. Because what an awesome opportunity that you can influence somebody and share the hope of Jesus. Jesus said, let your light shine before people. So y'all, this isn't a withdrawing from the world, but going into the world to bring flavor and light. Somebody say, I'm going in. Somebody post in the chat and say, I'm going in. I'm going into my neighborhood. I'm going into the storm. I'm going into my schools and my workplace and I'm going to shine some light. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. This is the heart of the gospel, by the way. Jesus, see, he didn't turn his back on you or on me. He didn't turn his back on our shame or our darkness. He could have, but he didn't. He said, no, I'm going in. And he came to our hurting and broken world and he literally put our stuff on himself and he died with it. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. The light of the world, King Jesus. And now those who follow Jesus can reflect his light. Jesus actually said, you are the light of the world. So what is one way this week that you could shine your light and make a difference in somebody's life? Maybe you could start small and go from there. Maybe it's a tray of cookies to a neighbor who's struggling. Maybe it's flowers to a depressed coworker. Maybe it's giving your stimulus check away to somebody who needs it more than you do. Maybe it's going on our website and learning more about mission trips that we call Go Trips. Maybe you can take home one of the food pantry bags today. You have the opportunity to shine light by providing food in our backpack club, our ministry that supports and feeds under-resourced children within our school districts. Even those of you watching online, you can order on Amazon and have them delivered. Man, what an amazing way for us to practically shine a light and love those in our community. If you need any help in, in doing that, please reach out to us and we would, love, we would love to help you with that. Jesus said, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good works. Notice the heart behind what Jesus is saying. It's not about the person who is the light. It's about others and letting them see your good works. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about privacy when you do things like giving to the poor or or praying or fasting. Jesus would say things like, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Privacy, right? Or when you pray, go into a, a closet or a private room and pray to your father who is in heaven. Private, that he's talking about, right? Or he would say, when you fast, Fasting is a spiritual uh, discipline of reframing from something. So think about if you didn't eat food for some time in order to be close to God, that's fasting. Jesus said, when you fast, don't tell everybody, oh man, I I haven't eaten for like 24 hours. I'm so spiritual, look at me, right? Jesus saying, no, don't, don't do that. Jesus saying, no, take care of yourself. Don't let, don't let yourself look awful. Take, take a bath. Some of you, that's your word for this morning, take a bath, (laughs) Jesus said, no, no, take a bath, don't let people know, in in private, in privacy. Uh, Jesus would tell a story about two guys uh, later on in the gospel accounts. And these two men went into the temple to pray. The temple was like a church. And the first guy was a Pharisee, so he was a religious leader. And the second guy was a tax collector. And tax collectors were known for ripping people off in their taxes and taking advantage of people. Both guys walked into the temple or the church to pray. And the way that Jesus sets up the story, it's almost as if the religious leader, the Pharisee, walks straight up front, right in the middle of the aisle, gets in the front and says, man, thank you, God, that I am not like these people, these sinners around me. I fast and I pray and I give twice a week. Look at me. I am hot stuff. And then the scene shifts to the tax collector. 
It's a very different picture. It's almost as if the tax collector is in, in the back of the room. It's almost as if he's knelt down to where no one could see him. And the Bible says that he was, he was beating his chest. Saying, have mercy on me, God. For I am a sinner. But in the verse that we read together, it's different. Jesus wants us to be in public where people can see us. But the attitude isn't like the Pharisee, but like the tax collector. For the Pharisee, the attention was all on me. Look at me, I'm, good, I'm hot stuff. But for the tax collector, the attention was on God. The attention isn't supposed to be about me and you. <laughs> it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and others. Contrary to pulling out your phone and taking a selfie, look at me. Like social media is a great example of this, right? Uh, just by the way, before you post something on social media, a great question to ask yourself is, why am I posting this? Am I doing it so that people look at me? Or am I doing it so that people look at Jesus? Just ask the guys who took selfies in the Capitol and posted on social media. Not an awesome move on their part. See, you don't turn on a light to look at the light. In my kitchen, uh, we have this light fixture, this light, it's over our sink. And I'm pretty sure that whenever we turn it on, turn, turn the light on, Cincinnati's power grids are significantly impacted by how bright this thing is. I mean, you turn it on and bam, it is so bright. It hurts when you turn it on, right? It hurts your eyes. But we still turn it on so that we can function and, and, and see and do dishes and, and, and do the things that we need to do in the kitchen, right? It's not about the light. It's about shining light. It's not about me. It's not about you. Jesus said, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Something I love to do with my son is we'll bundle up, especially when it's cold now, and we'll walk outside and we'll look at the moon and the stars. And my son is 18 months old. And so when he'll locate the moon, he'll go, ooh, you know, it's really cute. Proud dad moment. Okay, he's awesome. I hope you get to meet Titus sometime. <laughs> but it hit me as I was processing what Jesus was saying and what, what am I gonna say, God? What do you, what do you want me to communicate? And, and it hit me. You know the moon doesn't actually have any light in and of itself. Have you ever been outside in the middle of the night and there's like a full moon and it's almost like you can read a book in the middle of the night because it's so bright. Have y'all ever, ever seen that? But the thing about the moon is that it doesn't actually have its own light. The moon is reflecting from the sun into the dark of night. This is a picture of how we are to shine our light. Our light isn't about you or me or trying harder or being a good person. It's about being in relationship with the Son of God, Jesus. His light shines on us and in turn, like the moon, shines onto a world that desperately needs light. I called a pastor friend of mine and we were talking through this verse and when we got to this part of, uh, of the text of the verse, he said, dude, you gotta talk about PDA. And he was from in Indiana and I was like, man, what kind of sermons are y'all preaching in Indy? <laughs> PDA? 
I'm like, public display of affection? He's like, yeah, yeah, not, not like that though. He's like, okay, listen, whenever somebody is in love, when, when they're dating or engaged or married or whatever, they just, they want everybody to know that they're in love, right? Like they don't care who knows. I'm so in love, right? They want everybody to know. They don't care who knows. And he told me this. He said, listen, that, that's a good picture of what Jesus is saying in this verse here. Because we love Jesus so much and because he loves us, we can't help but love other people and shine our light. And I think he's right. Salt and light is not about you and about me, but it's about a relationship with Jesus. Our world, y'all, is in desperate need of people who love Jesus and reflect his light on the world. When I think of this verse, I can't help but think about my good friend, Tom Hahn. I wanna show you a picture of Tom Hahn. Tom, he's, he's like an action figure, isn't he? Tom was awesome. He loved to go to the gym. Uh, he was 60, about 60 years young in this picture. He was a longtime engineer for Ford and he loved cars. I actually had the privilege of riding in the red Viper. I'll never forget. He showed up, my, up at my house and he, he picked me up and we were driving down a back road and we came to a stop sign and he looks over at me and he says, hey, Connor, you ready? And I said, yes, I, I was not ready, y'all, okay? <laughs> He punched it and I thought, we, surely we are going to fly or we are going to die, okay? It was awesome. <laughs> but what I loved most about my friend Tom was his love for Jesus. It was contagious. I would, I would call him from Cincinnati. I came to school and college to, in Cincinnati area and he lived in Louisville, my, that's where I'm originally from. My parents are still down there. And I would call him and I would love to hear what he would say. He, he would say things like, oh, okay, Connor, you, you, gotta, you gotta pray for me, okay? I've got this lunch tomorrow with this, with this younger kid. I, I met him at the gym and he grew up without a father and I'm kind of older, you know, so I, I just wanna like step in and kind of be that mentor figure for him. Or he'd say things like, you know, I've been working on my neighbors for so long. Man, we've baked them cookies, we've took them food, we've had conversations. I've prayed for them for so many times, I can't even count. I don't know what I would do if they didn't come to know Jesus before my time on earth was up. Or he'd say, there's this guy, he's, he's being stupid, he's thinking about divorcing his wife and I, I asked him to work out with me and after the first workout, he, he, he's not gonna divorce his wife anymore. <laughs> It's like, yeah, Tom, it, have you seen yourself? You're an action figure, okay? <laughs> it was fun working out with him. A few years ago, I got a phone call from my dad and it was clear that something was wrong. That was when my dad shared with me that Tom had a heart attack in the gym and passed away. He, he didn't make it. A few days later, there was a funeral and so my wife and I went down to be there for, for the family and there were so many people there for Tom, y'all, it was awesome. And one of the younger guys that Tom stepped in as a father figure was speaking and asked something out of the ordinary for a funeral. Here's, here's what he asked. He said, if there are any guys, any younger guys in the room who came to know Jesus or was invested in by Tom, would you stand? And I stood up. But I was, I was far from alone, y'all. Half the room stood up too. 
And in that moment, yes, we were celebrating Tom, but, but it was so much more than that. We were celebrating him reflecting his light and his love for Jesus. And when I think about that moment, it takes me back to what Jesus said in the verse that we read together. Let your light shine before people so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I was seeing that happen right before my eyes. And we gave glory to the Father. And my prayer for you is that when your time on earth is up, and it will be up someday, that people would say about you that they, you let your light shine, that you brought flavor to the earth. You brought flavor. That's why we've spent four weeks talking about three verses, y'all. And honestly, we should probably keep talking about it until we really get it. And so I'll leave you with a question today. At your funeral, when your time is up here on earth, what would people say about you? Would they say, man, he was, he was a Bengals fan. I'm sorry if they say that about you, by the way. <laughs> he was, I was talking with John um, after the first service and he's like, man, I, I don't want people to remember me that I love the Browns or that, or that I, I, I love my Jeep. I, Who cares? What will they remember you by? In that moment, will people stand up because they were invested in you? How will you be remembered? And there might come a day when your neighbor or your coworker flips on the TV and sees that religious person on the screen and they would have a very different opinion of Jesus and faith. They might think, nope, my neighbor is into his faith and it's not about him and she's not judgmental and they aren't self-righteous. And maybe, just maybe, they would come to know Jesus because you let your light shine on them. Let's pray. God, you had every right, every right to turn your back on us and say, nope, I'm just gonna be a God that's just, just disengaged and dispatched from the earth. I don't wanna have anything to do with it, but you didn't. You said, I'm going in so much so that I'm going to send my own son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Why? Because I want relationships with my sons and my daughters. And so God, my prayer as we conclude this sermon series is that people would step into your light, maybe for the first time. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus and following you, that we would shine brightly, that we would bring flavor to the earth, God. But the truth is, is that we need you. We can't do it without you. <laughs> we need your help. In Jesus' name.